Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm Bill of Jesse Thorne. We're in chambers this week, clearing the docket. With me, as always, is Judge John Hodgman. And Judge Hodgman, we also today have a very special friend of the court. That is right. Joining us from his home in undisclosed location, the wonderful <laughs> John Darnielle, singer, songwriter, novelist, actor in Ryan Johnson and uh, Natasha Leone's famous television show, Poker Face. And now, here with us on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Now, John Darnielle, we know we love you. Oh, thank you. I love you, too. Let us be known that we love you. Uh, and and the Mountain Goats is, is your band. You've got a new album out called Jenny from Thebes. Mm -hmm. You're about to go on tour. Uh, everything's happening. We're going to talk more about that a little later on. But the reason you're here today is some time ago, you revealed to me and to the world that you are really into Magic the Gathering. The card game, correct? Some some would say two into it, yes. <laughs> yeah. But because you love Magic the Gathering so much, we asked our listeners for Magic the Gathering-related disputes. And boy, did we get them. I was going to say, you really <laughs> opened up a hornet's nest there. <laughs> we also asked Magic the Gathering if they would sponsor this episode, and they said no. They said so, <laughs> as it happens... Well, you know, Hasbro is on hard times right now. They don't have a lot of... That's money, true. So. They don't have... Yeah, that's right. That's just... <laughs> Everybody, everyone's eking by. Everyone's just trying to make it. So as it happens, uh, John, all of these cases that you're about to hear, they may sound like they're about Magic the Gathering, but they're not. That's what magic is. Magic is like that. Magic is also not necessarily about magic. It's about having a good time with your friends. It's about, uh, it's about uh, storytelling. It's about all kinds of different things. No, I just mean to say all these cases are about a different game that I'm calling... Oh. Spellcast the Get Along. Oh, oh, is it Spellcast the Get Along? Okay. Spellcast... <laughs> The get along. Well, did you look this up? Spellcaster is actually one of the one of the uh, apps that people used to used to use to play Magic online before they came up with their own client. Spellcaster is a way you can play with your friend far away. No, no connection, and I have my attorneys working on that. Yeah, unrelated. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It may sound like these disputes are about Magic: The Gathering. It turns out they're actually about Spellcast: The Get Along, a completely different game. That is sponsoring this podcast. That I've never played. <laughs> no, I think you'll find a lot of it is applicable. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, Jesse, let's hear our first dispute about the totally real game, Spellcast the Get Along. Here's something from Jeff in Pennsylvania. My brother and I have a dispute about direct damage spells in the game Spellcast the Get Along. <laughs> Even Jesse, who does not play, is struggling with this one. <laughs> Direct damage spells have always been part of the game, but they were informally outlawed in our old regular game at the Philadelphia Comic Shop back in 1996. I have moved on from this rule. My brother has not. Now, when I de deploy direct damage spells, my brother complains for the rest of the night or flings his cards across the room. Who's right? John Darnell, <laughs> much like Magic the Gathering, Spellcast the Get Along <laughs> is not just about playing a card game, but it's also about spending time with friends. With friends, family. Or your brother. And is it cool to throw your cards across the room? I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to issue a blanket rule <laughs> stating that it's not sometimes totally cool to do that. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but, uh, but I will say uh, it compares to uh, to Monopoly. That, like, if you choose to play Monopoly with your family, you've already made a mistake. You are making a choice, right? There are right. other games you could play that will not erupt into arguments. 
magic uh, is not. Do I need to use the spellcast thing? No, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> so, so, uh, so uh, with magic, it depends on what kind of player you are. Like, I, I don't care if I lose. I mean, I like to win, but uh, I get rolled over constantly, and it does not bother me. Plenty of people can't stand losing because when you lose, well. I had a bit that that uh, esteemed New York editor uh, Sean McDonald uh, uh, very gently talked me out of including in my book, which was that's the editor of your of your novels, the most recent one being Devil House. Yes, uh, Sean, and he runs his own imprint, McD uh, times FSG or XFSG. But but there was a long there was a long uh, a digression in part seven of the book, rather long, uh, in which the rules of the game were explained, and yeah. uh, and, it, and it was an extended metaphor be, about how. Uh, the goal of the game is is usually to grind your opponent's life down to zero, right? Nobody wants that, metaphorically or otherwise. Nobody wants to see their life total reach zero, right? However, there's other ways to play that are even that are even worse. Direct damage spells are kind of a non-negotiable part of the game, though. Is the thing you can't. Yeah, explain what they explain what they are. So uh, it's called uh, one one way informally uh, is uh, damage to the face because you have these creatures, right? Sure. Who are defending your life total. Right. Right. So usually if I'm trying to put, say, one point of damage at you, right, you have a creature who can block that or you have a spell you can cast in response that can prevent it from happening. Maybe in other in other words, if you are if you're dealing damage in this card game, I can play one of my creatures, say, like an an orc or a semi centaur or whatever. Or yeah, or or a rat or whatever. But but the creatures will already be out there and I have creatures. who. Oh, are but they'll take you. the hit. They'll take the hit. For me, they can block. Sometimes they'll die in the process quite often. Right. Yeah. But, but direct damage. There's a spell, a, a red, a one, a one mana spell called shock. It's a very powerful common card uh, that deals two damage to any target. Now that target can, any target is a super powerful phrase. That means I can put it to your creatures. I can put it, if you have what's called a planeswalker, which is not a creature, but who stands out on the board doing stuff, I can put it at him uh, or I can do it to the face, which is to you. Right. Mm. That's not mm. a term in the game. That's an informal term players use. Damage to the face is really kind of aggravating because unless you are playing the color blue, unless you're playing control, you probably sure. can't prevent uh, uh, the damage to the face. So direct damage. Is I was going to say, Jesse, there's an ex there's an exception if you're playing the color blue. Yeah. If you're playing yeah. control, certainly. But well, if you're just playing a rat. <laughs> Jesse picks it up very quickly. <laughs> if you're just playing a rat, John. Well, so rats are rats are in our our, our black mana, which is swamps. Each color of mana has its own uh, sort of element. Swamps, forests. Let's mountains. just define the term mana. M a n a. So mana is the, sort of like the gas you use to pay for your spells, to pay for casting creatures, to pay for casting the spells that will deal direct damage, which are usually going to be instants and sorceries. An instant I can cast at any time. A sorcery I can usually only cast on my turn. Right. So in yeah, and in, that's interesting because in. Um uh, spell cast to get along. Yes, we we call them spellos, spellos, spellos. Yes, yeah, spello coins. Spellos. Oh, this is the thing. If we were actually going to do the full spell cast thing, the number of extra terms I would need to replace <laughs> these things, it would take me three days to bone up on this stuff. Now like, oh, you're getting right. excited. Now you understand the allure of spell cast to get along. Oh yeah, I'm getting a whole yeah. No, my uh, my spellos and my and my more my terms. Majos or so, but. Uh, but yeah, so so there's these there's these things I can do in blue, uh, and and mana is what is produced when I tap a land, right? Each land sure. generally produces one mana by tapping it, right? 
And uh, uh, as you can see, this is math for people who were not good at math. Like me. I, I have <laughs> never learned how to play any of these games, whether it's magic or spellcast or whatever. And I, but I love hearing you talk. I love hearing you talk about it. Well, what's funny. This is one of the things that's satisfying about it. Five years ago, if you'd have shown me the rules of this game, I would have said to you, oh, I'm, ne I'm never going to understand this. This is right. impossible, right? You learn it as you play. So it's exactly like soccer or baseball or something or hockey. Generally speaking, if I sit down and try to explain hockey to you, Mr. Hartford Whaler's cap, yeah. Right, yeah. you will Thank say, you. oh, I'm not going to get this game. Even the offsides rule seems impossible to understand yeah. when it's explained to you. But when you watch it played, then you say, oh, I get it. He can't pass. It. It's a two-line pass. He can't do that, right? Except I think I think they eliminated that rule. I, yeah, I think, I think you can they now did. Do, which is like just, I, 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 you know, I'm a curmudgeon. And I think when they change rules purportedly for faster play or whatever, I think, yeah, you know. Jesse, it's true that the one game, the one game that you do not want to know the rules to at all before you get into it is hockey. Get out <laughs> on the ice and just figure it out. Just get on. You'll figure it out. <laughs> so, <laughs> Why are they playing this game in such a an unusually gentle manner in the unusually gentle city of philadelphia so yeah so the they're old is, and their old philadelphia game they banned these direct damage spells so they are expressing a taste for a play style right um mm -hmm. and the best way i can explain this to you is with a different play style that they haven't banned surprisingly because direct damage the problem is i can load up a bunch of direct damage spells that if you've chosen not to play control and most people are against control. As you might imagine, might be gathering, I like to play control. Yeah, no, if there's one thing that is true about my life, I am not against control. Very much <laughs> to my mental ill health. So as I say, control is the color of, of, of blue, islands, right? There are players who, when they see you cast a turn one island, will immediately resign. They don't want to play against that deck, right? It's just not fun. Because what I do with my control deck is prevent you from playing your game, right? You sling a direct damage spell at me, and I play a spell called Negate, and, I, and that stops you from doing what you tried to do. And you wasted your spell. You don't get it back, right? Uh, and, and all I did was play on your turn. I wait for you to try to do something, and I stop you from doing it. Uh, that's blue, right? Uh, direct damage, however, for those of us who like... Do you remember Chiptune, the era of, of music? Uh, yeah, sure. Make, yeah, and it was music that was very fast, or, or Atari Teenage Riot, that type of music, mm -hmm. right? Direct damage is that style, where if you don't have the nerves for it, you're going to say, I didn't get a chance to do anything, and already I'm down four, right? And it's very aggravating to play. And they're all red decks. This is all red mana. So what those, what they're expressing at the kitchen table there is that they don't like that play style, that, that they'd rather you didn't play red. But the mature opinion about this is that, like, look, there's a bunch of play styles. Banning an entire play style, you might as well ban the color red if you can't do direct damage because that's what red does. Or what might have been okay in 1996 in the comic book shop in Philadelphia. Yes. When you were kids, now in the year of our God or whatever, 2023, yeah. going into 2024, maybe it's time for Jeff and his brother to play some direct damage. Maybe so. I mean, it's fine for one of them to just start playing blue and then there won't be any direct damage problem. <laughs> and so I'll tell you what, I was, I heard about half of what you said because I was mostly writing down new names for mountain goat songs based on <laughs> phrases you were saying, starting with the color of control is blue. <laughs> it's, it's, it's my long awaited response song to uh, black is the color of my true love's hair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have another case that sort of gets at this too, right, Jesse? Here's something from Tony. My friend Dylan and I were playing Spellcast the Get Along. I played the land card, 
Rainbow Veil. Everyone agreed to pass Rainbow Veil along to the next player at the end of our turns, but Dylan didn't. He played Simic Growth Chamber. This bounced Rainbow Veil back to me and set me back one mana for the rest of the game. I was just trying to have fun and give everyone extra mana. And this is obviously a typo that should be spello, spellos instead of mana, but you get the idea. Rainbow Veil is a land card that says it adds one mana of any color to the mana pool and it passes to your opponent at the end of the turn. Right. And this is the same conflict as the last one is some people are trying to play a friendly game that is more about having a conversation, just hanging out. Right. And somebody else wants to win. Now, John's going to like this a lot. Uh, at some point, somebody wrote an article breaking down three types of players and contending that you will find people who are blends of these three types, but everybody is one of these if they're playing. Spike is one. Timmy is another. <laughs> Who's the other one? Spike, Timmy, and I know- I didn't know there were third. names. Spikes, Timmys, and Johnnies, right? Um Spikes are the ones who want to win. That is the only reason they are playing the game is to win. They may have fun doing it or they may not. They may be playing for money. They may be competitive, but they're extremely competitive players, right? And their only interest is in winning, right? Any other interest they have is ancillary to this. Timmy's want to play cool cards. They see a card that is extremely powerful and they just want the opportunity to get that card on the board, right? And, and, and let it do its thing, right? Um, and and I, Johnny's, I never, it, it, in, in a great irony, I never remember what Johnny's are supposed to be doing. Let me find the article. Um, Johnny is the creative gamer to whom magic is a form of self-expression. Johnny likes to win, but he wants to win with style. This is me, right? I, I don't want to You're literally decks. a, you literally are a Johnny. Yes. And the thing is, and that's why I lose more than most people, because I want, if I win, I want to do it on my own terms. I want to have designed the deck myself instead of playing the meta, which means, you find a, a deck that somebody else has built that's very efficient and you play those cards, right? Spikes generally do this and they might make their own slight adjustments, but uh, but they're not trying to build a deck that tells you anything about their their aesthetics. Pretty much every writer, I think, alive is going to be a Johnny. Right? It's going to want to say, I'm going to make a deck that expresses who I am, right? That, that tells you something about me, right? But, uh, but your friends, one of them is a Spike and he wants to... He wants to play a game that he can win. So he figured out a way to get Rainbow Veil back in his hand. And he's excited about this. His friends are Timmy's. They're trying to have fun with playing cards, right? They want to play a cool card. They want to get their turn with Rainbow Veil. Well, wait a minute. I just want to clarify here because there are a lot of names being thrown around. Yes. Tony played Rainbow Veil. Right. But Dylan bounced it back to Tony with a Simic Growth Chamber card. Right. In order to deny the extra mana to the other players. Right. Who's the spike? The spike, who's the guy who bounced it back? D Dylan. Dylan played Simic Growth Chamber, right? Uh, so Dylan's the spike. Dylan, Dylan's the one who is, is trying to put other players at a disadvantage for his own advantage. What's a Simic Growth Chamber? When Simic Growth Chamber enters the battlefield, return a land you control to its owner's hand and tap it to add one tree in one water drop to your mana pool. So that's one forest, one blue mana, and one green mana, uh, and that's a powerful card. That's a that's an uncommon land, uh, and uh, it enters tapped. But when it does so, you get to put a land back in your hand. So what he just did is buy himself an extra land because you need land to cast spells. That puts him at an advantage. It's a it's it's what's called card advantage. When you have more cards than the other guy, you have an advantage. 
the guy who's who's doing that, he's playing Spike. His his only concern is winning, right? Uh, and and putting other players at a disadvantage by denying them access to the mana that he has. All right, I'm just going to add two more uh, track titles to the album. Land <laughs> Advantage. Land is a good one. And uh, that's a powerful land. It enters tapped. So, well, you know, I have I have a song called "If a Powerful Animal Comes" that I think uh, the 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 name comes from the flavor text of some other games. On all these cards, you'll sometimes see lines of of prose, right? And that's called flavor text. Yeah. And some other game had the line, "If a powerful animal comes," and I went, "Well, I like that. I'm taking that." So. Boy, Jesse, did you hear John? Did you hear John Darnielle buzz marketing his album? <laughs> wow, and there was on the album "Dark in Hill" here on uh, Merge Records and Tapes, recorded at Fame in Muscle Shoals. Uh, with Matt Ross Spang, the great Matt Ross Spang producer. He's just calling it's like it's like it's like raw capitalism all of a sudden. Oh, it's it, it, look, I was born to pitch, John. <laughs> if I know one thing, guys, it's this. In the feudal days of Acacia, finding the Rainbow Vale was often the goal of the knight's quests. So this is the flavor text of Rainbow Vale, which is interesting because it's a land, and most lands don't have flavor text, but strange lands that do extra things like this sometimes flavor do. Flavor text? Yeah, the flavor text is written by the flavor unit, Queen Latifah's rap crew. <laughs> Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> they should do a co-branding. They should do a secret layer with Queen Latifah. That would be great. So, John, before we go to the break, where we're going to hear about a fourth style of player called Luna, we have to make a ruling on Tony's case. So was it uncool for Dylan to bounce the Rainbow Veil back to Tony? Or was it inbounds? Uh, it's inbounds to me. Inbounds. Sorry, Tony, you're a Timmy. Dylan's a Spike. That's the way it goes. We got two Johnnies and one Jesse, but we got to take a break. Yes, Jesse? Let's take a quick break. We'll have more fantastical card cases around the corner on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. You're listening to Judge John Hodgman. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Of course, the Judge John Hodgman podcast always brought to you by you the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join, and you can join them by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I, I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step-by-step, day-by-day, bird-by-bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura, A-U-R-A. 
It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. We're clearing the docket with our pal John Darneal of the Mountain Goats. Here's a case from Joseph in St. John's, Newfoundland. My partner Luna and I play Spellcast the Get Along. Very popular game, a lot of parallels to Magic the Gathering, but is definitely different. Luna doesn't like to attack other players because it's too mean. When Luna does target another player, they always apologize. I believe Luna should be more aggressive. It will help them win more and have more fun. All right, John D., same deal, right? But is there a style of player who is just apologetic, and is that a cool way to play? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I actually, um, uh, there was a pre-release uh, streaming thing where you play against people who, you know, sometimes say, I'm so sorry. I don't mean, I happen to love these players the most, the ones who apologize before they destroy you. It's like, you know, but I think that's probably a psychosexual issue I have to work out. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, but that's, there's all, it's why this game is so good. It's why I'm such a fan of it and such a, uh, you know, sort of a, 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 an evangelist for it is like, there are so many ways to play and it really is more evidently a style of, of, of self-expression. You're sharing something about yourself in the way you play, right? It's, I think that's why people don't like these burn decks is like, oh, you're, what you're telling me about you is you, you're not here to play a game with me. You're just here to beat me, you know? And, uh, and that's true in many other sports. You know, we, we experienced this on, on, on baseball fields when we're kids and everything else like that. But which kind of spell does Luna, Luna doesn't like what? Luna doesn't like to attack other players. Oh, but you can't. <laughs> so, so Luna, unfortunately, Luna wants to play a style that I'm now delighted to tell you about. Uh, it is the style that people <laughs> hate the most, but those of us who play it can frame it in a way that makes it sound benign when it is, in fact, so much worse than direct damage. What do you need to play magic, John? What's the one thing you must have that you cannot play magic without? Time um, and cards. Cards is correct. Cards is okay. correct. Time is, is also correct, but you have to have cards. And you have to have a deck of cards, which... Yeah, let's talk about cards for a second, because I'm hearing a lot of terms like burn deck and overpowered deck and all eternals deck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but people people might not know either magic or spell cast. Right. In this game, you, you have cards to start. You earn cards or capture cards 
you build a deck that has moves in it that only you can do. And you, you carry that you deck with you. You take other people's cards. That was in the first iteration of the game. You actually were playing to win the cards. Oh, okay. Uh, but you don't do that anymore. You bring your own cards. This would take a long time to explain. There's another version called Draft where you're all opening up packs and building a deck on the fly, basically. You okay. Pass the, you pass the cards around in a circle. You take one and pass the rest of the pack along. And in this way, over the course of three packs, you build a deck. Right? Famously, um, that's what my friend Matthew from the flea market likes to play. Yeah, no, because draft is the purest form of magic because you can't bring anything but your skills to it, right? The cards you're going to get are a matter of chance and your good choices, right? And so, uh, but I've, I mean, if you don't know what you're doing, like I can still tell you what card I passed to the left. And this woman looked at me and said, are you sure? I said, yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't fit with my deck. Said, okay. And then when I played her 10 minutes later, she's completely rolled over me because I had passed a card called Dream Trawler that you should absolutely interrupt whatever you were trying to build to take the dream trawler because it will kill the opponent dead. And so take the dream trawler. Write that down, John. Yeah, I'm writing it down. If, if you should pull a dream trawler, do not pass it to the right or to the left. But the style of play I was going to tell you about is called mill. And this will take a minute, but I think you'll be happy with it. So put a minute it, on the clock. So, oh, I'm, I'm in a minute metaphorically, John, as, as you, as you well know, <laughs> this is spellcast. So in Mill, I'm making you throw your cards away into the graveyard, right? That's, that's what you're, when you discard a card or when a creature dies, it goes to the graveyard, unless it goes into exile. I'm not going to go into that. But you're, the first thing you have to do every turn you take is draw a card. If you can't draw a card because there are no cards in your library, then you lose, right? Mm -hmm. Then it doesn't matter what your life total is. Your life total can be 30,000 and you still lose to me personally because I have milled your deck. I have put all your cards in the graveyard using my magecraft, right? And uh, and sure. And so people hate playing against Mill because what Mill does is not only prevent you from playing your spells, it just says, no, you don't get to have any cards to play. There's only one style of play that I think is hated, maybe even more, and it's harder to do. It's called land destruction, where I just destroy your lands. Mm -hmm. um, that's really hard to do, land destruction. Mill's comparatively easy. Um, and... And the first time my son, Moses, wanted to play, he was about four and he saw me building decks and really, wanted, and I handed him one and I took one and we started to play and I realized that I had a mill deck. Explaining to your four-year-old that he has to continually keep putting his cars in the graveyard is one of the more unpleasant errands of fatherhood I've ever heard. So, okay, well, buddy, um, this says that you have to take the top three cards of your library and, and put them in the grave. And the look on his face was like, he understood that he wasn't going to be getting those cards back. And the question on his face was, why? Why do I have to do this? <laughs> you, are, you are spiking your own son. Well, no, this isn't spike. It's milling is what it is. It's playing. And spikes don't generally play mill because mill is beatable in a lot of ways. Uh, if, if you're playing against a mill deck, um, it, there's a lot of things you can do. And one of them is if you're playing a bunch of cards that you can get back from your graveyard, then you don't care about your graveyard. You can just get them back. Uh, but... Most decks can't do that. And uh, there's a great card called Cut Your Losses that says target player mills half their library, right? And it has a thing called Casualty, which says if I sacrifice a creature whose power is two or greater, I get to do that twice. So I mill half your library and then I mill the other half all in one move. I, I will never get enough of playing Cut Your Losses. It's my favorite Wow. Deck. Wow. So, but it's the deck that determines that you play mill because you've got a bunch of mill cards and that's what you have to play. Well, you if so, you usually wouldn't play mill in draft. You build your own decks, right? You build them from the cards that you have, or buy, 
or on arena that you that you have have come into possession of and then you choose what colors you're going to build your decks around and what style you're going to play right so with regard to luna the style of luna's play is to be incredibly apologetic yeah and also i had a note here from luna's partner that they'll roll a randomizing die when attacking in order to not take responsibility for the damage they're doing or something uh, you know, I said uh, about something else. This this sounds like a very. I understand, like, because I don't like. I don't like. I say I, I don't love damaging people face to face. You go here. You go. <laughs> Sorry, I'm about. Yeah, but to it's not you. always damage to the face. Sometimes it's damage to a rat. Yeah, to the creatures. But but the the goal of that is to eventually get the creatures out of the way so that I can put damage on you, right? Right. Uh, but uh, but I mean that's I have the same conflict when I'm playing any competitive game. I have the same conflict. Uh, you know, betting on horses. You, you bet on one horse. Well, you you basically said to the other horse, I don't think you're as good or as fast as this other horse. Yeah, but you uh, don't have to go over to the horse and actually say it, John. I've told you that at Saratoga many times. Yeah, but the horse. The horses don't the horse, speak English. You don't have to go up very, to them and say you don't believe powerful, in them. powerful psychic beings, horses, and they know. They know. They can see you Well, the then stands. just say it from the stands. You know, we don't have to trudge through the mud to find I them. I bet against you. I bet against, <laughs> don't bother. <laughs> so what is your advice then for Luna? Do you think that Joseph's right that Luna should play more aggressively? No, Luna should play mill and Luna should uh, play in a play style that takes those cards away from their opponents or Luna should play um, uh, white enchantments and, 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 and render all the other creatures inert so that they can't do any damage. Right. Luna should perhaps play a card called Overwhelming Splendor that reduces all of the, I know, you feel me, right? John, write yeah. that one down. <laughs> <laughs> Luna should play Overwhelming Splendor, which will uh, make all of their opponent's creatures, no matter what they were once, will now all be 1-1 one, one creatures that lose all their other abilities. And a 1-1 one, one can only deal one damage, which is not much damage. So, uh, so yeah, there are a number of strategies available to Luna to prevent this damage from occurring. Uh, but you can't have a rule that says you don't get to deal damage. There you go, Luna. John D has just dealt you Overwhelming Splendor. Here's some more... Wait, hold card. on, Judge Hodgman. I, I think you've been writing these down to give a new Mountain Goats album to JD, but I think by the time we're done, I think we'll be able to write and record the Mountain Goats album. We'll have enough material that... Jesse, I know you as a big hip-hop enthusiast, and I think this is your chance. You may know that Post Malone bought the most expensive magic card ever to exist. So, uh... What does that have to do with hip-hop? Doesn't Post Malone make hip-hop? Yeah, that was my joke. <laughs> Sorry. You guys are really looking for beef, aren't you? <laughs> hey, I don't play mill. Yeah, I'm a real spike. I will I will I will mill Post Malone's one ring card. I will mill it. <laughs> this is a Post direction. Malone bought the most expensive tech of No, the most expensive single card. John, you know, I know the name of a magic card. Yeah, what is it? I have magic cards when magic cards were new. I would estimate the time frame to be 1993 and 1994. You should send these cards to me right away. Uh, 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 first class air uh, with insurance, and I will uh, take good care of them. Uh, <laughs> a good card is Sarah Angel. Uh, Sarah Angel is a good card. Still, it's still, uh, still, it gets reprinted a lot. It's a, it's a strong and good card. Yeah, yeah. I, don't you agree, Hodgman? Sarah Angel is a good card. Sarah, Sarah Angel is an incredible card. <laughs> I love John assuming the mental authority. <laughs> Sarah Angel's a great card. Wouldn't you agree, John? Card. No, it's just a good card. Uh, it's a good card. Sorry, my mistake. Good card is what I meant to say. You're, you're suggesting that Luna should play Mill, but we know that Luna is uh, a little apologetic by nature. Should Luna play Bold Mill or Meek Mill? 
<laughs> I don't. I'm not familiar with Mr. Mill's work uh, to to say. Uh, I think <laughs> style of play should be bold Mill or Meek. It's you're right, Meek should, Mill, the rapper, great. Philadelphia rapper Meek Mill. Yes, Meek Mill. Philly, you know, Philly falls out of the conversation when people talk about rap, but uh, but Philly is a big town for rap that people should talk about more. You were going to say Post Malone bought the most expensive uh, card. What? Why don't you restate that just so that we have it clearly? Post Malone uh, bought the most expensive magic card ever to exist, which is the one ring, as in one ring to rule them all, one ring to bind them in the recent uh, right. co-branding with um, uh, uh, with Lord of the Rings. Uh, not co-branding, but the... One ring to bring them all and in the darkness bind them, right, John? In the darkness bind them, that's correct, as memorably sampled on a summoning album, I think, on Stronghold, but I could be wrong. Just as Post Malone bound hip-hop, pop R&B, and looking like you smell bad. <laughs> well, I think Post's success is such that uh, he, if he wants to look that way, he gets to look that way. That's <laughs> impressive. So, he's apparently a very, very, very good player. Um, uh, my friend Jack Antonoff also plays Magic, and I think he's a very good player. Um, there's a lot of you know, it's it's something you can do with your friends on a tour bus, right? If you're if you right. if you haven't yet alienated them so that they don't want to play games with you anymore, <laughs> you can play Magic with them. What 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 did Post uh, pay for the for the one ring card? Oh, would you man, say millions and millions? I think. Wow. Um, but here's the thing: the reason it's the most expensive card, you're going to like this. Uh, how many of them do you suppose were printed? I got to go with one. One is correct. It's the one ring. Two point six million. All so that he could go up on top of a volcano and throw it in there. I mean, I think we're all in agreement. He should absolutely do this and then and then charge pay-per-view, right? And make us 2.6 back. <laughs> I mean, that to me, this would be truly magical business sense. Thank or so spellcasty, <laughs> if you will. Some quick snap judgments on some card disputes. Should Vince and Reggie use proxy cards in their unsanctioned play? I hope you know what those words mean. Go ahead. So, yeah. So proxy cards, the thing is, there is, I don't think there is a good case against proxy cards. If you these are counterfeit uh, cards, well, that you made yourself, right? That that uh, if if I show you a card trick that involves me ripping up the Ace of Spades, right? You know some right. of these tricks, right? Or I eat it or whatever. Yeah. But then later that night, we want to play California Lowball. We will just put together a uh, an Ace of Spades from paper, right? And we'll use that. That'll be the Ace, right? No, well, I'm going to insist that you regurgitate it. Why did you even eat it? Let's play the game. <laughs> so let me let me understand. If we all agreed to use proxy cards and it was okay, then I could make a Sarah Angel of my own right now using a piece of paper and a pen. Absolutely. You don't even have to write the rules text on it you, if we know what a Sarah Angel does. Here's the, here's the arguments for and against proxies. Argument for proxies is some of these cards are expensive and hard to find. I have to order them by mail order. I may not have enough money to buy, you know, I don't have enough money to buy a, a Mox Amber or whatever, you know. But I want to play a deck that has it. I know this deck that I can design that will be cool to play, but I can't afford. Yeah, that's Johnny style. You want to play some cool cards and you want to do it with style. Well, but not only that, there's a there's a there's a justice angle to it. If I want to play soccer with you, all I need is a ball. And that is why people will often argue soccer is the best game. And I find that argument persuasive, right? Any any barrier to game. entry. It is the beautiful game because any barrier to entry means less fun for more people, right? Whereas if you're playing no proxies, it means that my the power of my deck is limited eventually by money or luck. If I lucked into some cards playing draft, that's great. So the argument for proxies is that it's kind of classist for you to say, oh, I have more money than you, so my deck is better than yours. But the argument against proxies is like, look, that limitation 
as with many limitations, is an invitation to creativity, right? This is the Catholic position. Like when I take a lot of stuff away from you, right? I say, you can't do this and you can't do that. You find a way to be creative within those rules and find creative roots to things that you wouldn't have found without the limitations. The people who believe in proxies are just hollering bullshit right now. There's no, I don't care about any of that. If I don't have the money to play the same deck, you have an actual advantage over me. It really is the correct argument. But the aesthetic argument appeals to me as an aesthete, right? It's like, I, I like limitation. But then you should be playing limited if you like that. You should be playing draft, right? So you find Vince wants to use proxies because he wants it to be about fun, not money. You find in Vince's favor in this case? I find in Vince's favor that proxies hmm. for kitchen table, for unsanctioned play, there's no good argument against proxies. Our Reddit user on uh, MaximumFun.Reddit.com, 40% Dolomite, asks... Was it correct for me to stop using my Mythic Rare Artifact card because it overpowered my deck and it bummed out my fellow players? At Kitchen Table, I, as you might imagine, you and I would both be sympathetic to who wants to play a card that just takes away other people's fun, right? In this case, 40% Dolomite was using their Mythic Rare Artifact card to turn their opponent's creatures against them by transforming those creatures into green and black elves. Good use of that card, yes or no? Good use of that card if you want to win. Uh, I, I'm not sure which card does that, but that's very like overwhelming splendor that just like takes all your creatures and says, well, now they're a bunch of one ones and they can't do anything else. Uh, it's not an indestructible enchantment, so you can respond to that enchantment. And in real life, you can also respond to my enchantments. But the thing is, it, this is a key question. Is like, why are we playing? Are we playing to have fun with each other? And do we want the game to last so that we can hang out together, have some hot chocolate, talk about movies in between turns? There is a style of play called Commander, which is played by three or more people. Right? Mm. It's the most popular and most rising form right now. And in Commander, the cards can get very powerful. And you can do a bunch of damage, but it's not even about that. It's about having fun with three people because the conversations are better than, than the My Dinner with Andre format of one-on-one, -on -one, right? Um, and... Uh, <laughs> I, viewers, you can't, your listeners can't see that, that, that I got John to respond with by referencing my dinner with Andre and I'm, I'm I'll, I'll be glowing from that all day. I'm responding. <laughs> I'm just saying, Jesse Thorne, you're out there in Hollywood, right? I am. As of this recording, uh, the, the WGA strike is over. We've ratified the new contract. As of this recording, the SAG, um, after strike is preliminarily over. We're waiting to ratify the new contract. Hollywood is open for business. Can you, Jesse Thorne, get out there in Hollywood and pitch someone to make a movie of the three of us playing a commander game of Spellcast, the Get Along, uh, <laughs> as a feature film? I've got Brock Hammer's number. Great. We can call it Apologize Before You Destroy Me. <laughs> right? That'll stop someone in their tracks on Netflix or whatever streamer you oh, use. They will absolutely, they, they will absolutely use that on web films, actually. I, uh, Netflix declined to sponsor me, so I'm calling them web films now. We can get a freebie out of it in any case. <laughs> I think we have one more quick one before we go to break, Jesse. Yeah, I'm not going to pitch that to Bruckheimer. I'm going to pitch that to the Duplass brothers. Here's one from Derek in Tacoma. I'm an actual attorney acting on behalf of my 13-year-old son, Wyatt. He brings suit against his older brother, Rowan. Wow. Devs. Wyatt's attorney is OP. That's <laughs> <laughs> overpowered. Yes, he Nerf is. Derek. <laughs> okay. Wyatt has a spell cast, the get-along deck, that is dinosaur tribal themed. Oh, that's hard. That's a hard deck to beat. He always beats Rowan with this deck. Now Rowan says he hates all dinosaurs and will not oh. even watch dinosaur movies. 
Oh, no. Please rule that dinosaurs are cool and that Rowan shouldn't drag dinosaurs just because he can't beat Wyatt. So I believe that, that, that Judge Hodgman will agree with me that it has been preemptively ruled uh, by the judge who precedes us all that dinosaurs are cool, right? Dinosaurs are cool in eternity, and they were cool before us, and they'll be cool when we're long gone. Wait a minute. Are you talking— you're talking the judge who precedes us. You're talking about God or whatever, as we refer to it as God here on this Almighty. podcast. Yeah, God or, <laughs> God or Almighty or whatever, who love the dinosaurs so much that he slash they that slash she slash them brought the dinosaurs home with a big old meteor just to hang out with them. Are you really wanting to open up the question of the intentionality of God's behavior and whether or not <laughs> God set a universe in motion that gave us actual free will and chose then to absent himself from making such choices? With me, who will talk about this all day? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, John. Is this movie called Apologize Before You Destroy Me or not? <laughs> yes, it is. It's very much called that. I think we can all agree, no matter how we feel about uh, metaphysics, that tyrannosaurs are cool. Brachiosaurs are cool. Parasaurolophosaurs are cool. All dinosaurs are cool, right? Yes, very true. But playing tribal dinosaurs is a way of is a way of playing Spike. It's a way of saying, look, I'm just going to run. That's mono green. Uh, it, it means you're only playing green cards. You're not playing anything else. Uh, there are some red dinosaurs, but mainly they're green. And uh, and what they're going to do is great big creatures that will stomp on you. In fact, one of the uh, terms for dinosaur decks, you call them stompy, right? Because they <laughs> they will stomp on you, right? And uh, and it's not fun to get stomped on. And you have to. And it happens very fast. Uh, and uh, so Wyatt's brother is complaining. I don't like to play against this deck. And this is, you know, it's the same as with Monopoly and stuff. It's like the, the little brother is saying, can we play a deck that's more fun to play against than you just flinging damage at me all day? Uh, but but uh, so, yeah, I think his brother should should build a different deck and, and let his brother also have fun. So you're saying that Wyatt should get rid of some, should build a non-dinosaur deck if he wants to have fun with his brother Rowan. Otherwise, Rowan's going to stomp away from it. Why should there's more than one deck to play? Play a deck that his that his brother. I, I'm assuming his brother's a little younger. And uh, no, in fact, Rowan is the older brother. Is the older brother. Rowan is dinosaurs. getting stomped by Wyatt and Wyatt's dinosaur deck. Oh well, Rowan's just mad that his little brother's beating him. They yeah, nothing to do with dinosaurs at all. Right? So what's the resolution? <laughs> well, the resolution if he's the older brother, uh, I mean, then it's sort of incumbent on him to 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 build a deck that responds to the dinosaurs. Um, you know, and that's and that's what this song is called: is response to the dinosaurs. Respond to the dinosaurs. <laughs> response to the dinosaurs. It's it's all album. It's <laughs> <laughs> what's some what's some uh, Johnny D style uh, deck building advice you could give to Rowan to counter the dinosaurs. So he should be actually be playing fast burn, the the one you started talking about, flinging damage damage spells, right? If yeah. by the time because dinosaurs, most of them are expensive to cast. You have to play what's called ramp which is uh, being able to make your land work harder for you to get these big creatures that cost a lot to play out. You're not getting a big dinosaur out on turn two or turn three. You don't, you can't, you don't have the land to play for it because you only know, usually play one land per turn. If I'm playing red, I play one mountain, I play shock, two, two damage to your face right away before you've even conceived of summoning a dinosaur, okay? And two turns later, I'm gonna play a turn that lets me duplicate my shock Two, two again, six damage to your face. By the time you get a dinosaur out, you're at two life worrying about what to do with your, with that life, which I'm then going to take away by casting Demon Bolt on whatever 4-4 four, four you brought out. <laughs> Write it down, Rowan. Write it down and remember it. 
Remember, yeah, play burn. But I don't like playing burn. Is the thing burn is boring to me. It's like it wins games very fast, uh, and it's as alienating as big as big dinosaurs. Again, because the other thing that that he can do is play blue. If you cast a twelve twelve dinosaur, uh, and I just cast essence scatter, it costs me two blue, one blue and one any color, right? Well, now that dinosaur goes to the graveyard. I never see him again. He's with the rest of the dinosaurs, right? Play control. <laughs> Whether it's burn or blue, Rowan, there's a path for you to beat those dinosaurs. Remember, dinosaurs are big and stompy, uh, but the little, small, wily mammals were the ones who are still here. You can do it, Rowan. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, more card game disputes. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Judge Hodgman, we're taking a quick break from the docket. And I have my eye right around the corner on our appearance at SF Sketchfest on January 27th. It's our favorite show of the year every year. I love to be part of Sketchfest. I've been part of Sketchfest since I think the third Sketchfest ever, which is now like 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, San Francisco is your home. So this is a literal homecoming for you. But absolutely for me, uh, a native of the uh, southeastern region of Canada known as New England, going to Sketchfest to perform Judge John Hodgman, that's my home too. Like, I cannot wait to get back. And this year we're going to a brand new home, the beautiful Palace of Fine Arts, this remarkable structure. It's, I guarantee, be the only show that we do in a venue that has a lagoon. And uh, and we would love to see all of you there. It's at 4 p.m. in the afternoon and there's nothing else going on on a Saturday. So come on out and fill the place at bit.ly slash JJHOSF24. That's all capital letters. Or just go to sfsketchfest.com You'll find us there, and you're going to find a lot of other cool things that you want to be a part of as well. Hey, we need your cases for this show, so if you've got a dispute that you'd like us to consider to adjudicate live on stage that afternoon, as always, go to MaximumFun.org slash JJHO and let us know that you'll be in town. I said it before. I've said it again. If you have a problem with my mom, Judy, now is your chance to air that beef because yep, she'll be there. Dollars to donuts. Judy's going to be there. Yeah. 
But I do want to forewarn you, she will defend herself. Yeah. And by the way, you can't pay with donuts. Mama don't take no mess, as they say. Jesse, what's going on in the Put This On shop right now? Well, the holiday season has passed, and I want to give our listeners a chance to do some very classic after Christmas shopping. So if you use the code 2024JUSTICE, 2024JUSTICE, during the month of January, you get 25% off anything in the entire store. 25% off? That's a quarter off. Even the, like, fine jewelry, in fact... I'm concerned I might accidentally like <laughs> sell gold for less than its melt value. But, you know, that's life in the big city. <laughs> I already made the code 2024justice at putthisonshop.com. There is something for everyone there. And uh, uh, we, we had such a great holiday season. Um, thank you to all the Judge John Hodgman listeners who shopped in our shop in person and online. Uh, so go to putthisonshop.com and use that code 2024justice and, and you can have a, a great discount on anything during the month of January. Let's get back to that docket. Let's get back to that docket. Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. We're clearing the docket. Our guest is the great John Darnielle of the Mountain Goats. Here's one from David in Warwick, Rhode Island. I haven't played Spellcast the Get Along since 2002. All of the smart guys got out of Spellcast the Get Along in 1993, 1994, is my understanding. They were, they were playing it at Nueva Middle School in Hillsborough, California. But then when they went to School of the Arts in San Francisco, uh, they became artsy. Right. During the last game, I played a card called Double Deal against my brother, Derek. According to the text on the card, Double Deal deals three damage to the Derek now and an additional three damage at the beginning of the next game, Derek. Oh, that's an old card. It's a very wow. specific card just for yeah, Derek. They don't print cards like that anymore. After this, Derek has refused to play me again for 21 years. Please order Derek to play Spellcast the Get Along with me and take the damage. Five points adjusted for inflation. <laughs> I need to display my superiority. It's important. I'm going to put in the chat the art for Double Deal in the chat. There it is. Uh, as you can see, this is splendid. Right? This is a beautiful old piece of magic art. They don't look like that anymore. They're now very professional, but that looks like it was made by, you know, by a person who did it in his notebook, right? Yeah, it looks so, like it was drawn drawn by a by a withdrawn seventh grader. Yeah, by by you know, by somebody who plays D&D, right? Um and it's and obviously the card is not just targeting Derek. It's literally double deal deals 3 damage to your opponent now and deals an additional 3 damage to that opponent at the beginning. Of the next game that you play. With the player. That's right. But it's still one player. It's at one guy. So the other guy is going to start his next game at minus, at, at, three, at three. He's going to have a handicap in the next right. game. Right. I mean, the thing is, in terms of formats, if you're playing this card now, there are so many other cards that, uh, that will make double deal a non-issue. He should play what's called a life gain deck. It's remarkable that we've talked about magic this long without me telling you how much I hate life gain. Right. Uh, I, I live to oppose life gain decks. An extremely weird motivational video. I will do anything to make a person who plays a life gain deck wish they hadn't. Right. Uh, to make them feel bad about it. And, but a life gain deck against double deal. Uh, go ahead. Damage me for three. I'll be up by six in by turn two anyway. Right. Because uh, there's it's very possible to just keep gaining life and gaining life. And 
punishing your opponent with the life that you gain. If you run, if you run a card, John Hodgman named Vito, that's V-I-T-O, Thorn of the Dusk Rose. Right? Well, that's um, Jesse's nickname. Yeah, that was my birth name. Yeah. <laughs> so, that birth name. so Vito, Thorn of the Dusk Rose, uh, has a static condition. That means this is true as long as he's on the board. Uh, whenever you, the person playing Vito, gain life, your target opponent loses that much life. Right? I just can't stand this. This just drives me out of my mind. It's like uh, Gore Vidal used to say, it's not enough that your enemies fail. You must punish your friends with the life you gain. This is exactly what Vito is. And and it's why I just like Vito. Is like, you go ahead and gain life, but don't make me pay for it. <laughs> and so, I mean, they should just play it. You should take the damage. And, and then... Uh, uh, is there any deck that he can build that would not merely with, you know, mitigate the damage that he's starting with, but also get back at David, the brother for instigating it in the first place. So yes, there's actually, I would strongly recommend, and I'm, I can't think of the names of the cards, but, uh, because I won't, I can't think of what the condition is, but, uh, swamps produce black mana, right? Jesse, just so you know, swamps produce black mana. Thanks for that, John. I appreciate your expertise. Just yeah. looks stoic about this. <laughs> um, so, uh, so a lot of these black decks let you pay life to do stuff, right? Uh, pay two life to do something, and some of them reward you for having lower life. You'll have a, a, a creature that gets bigger as your life get lower. You'll have something you can only do if you have six or less life, right? And these are they are tricky decks to play, right? Because obviously, if you get down to zero, you're done, um, unless there is a card uh, that also I know you're going to like. Uh, Cloudsteel Kirin is an artifact creature that you can reconfigure for five and attach to another creature. And once that has happened, you can't lose the game and your opponents can't win the game. <laughs> so, wow. And there's another card called Platinum Angel. It has the same static condition. You can't lose the game and your opponents can't win the game. However, what's, the name, what's the name of that card again? Platinum Angel is the easiest one of these. But the thing about Platinum Angel is... It's it's destroyable, right? As if I if I if I destroy Platinum Angel, then you can lose the game, right? Oh, okay. But as long as it's in play, you're invincible. Yeah. There's a couple more. There's a well, so Lich's Mastery is a legendary enchantment and it's hex proof. That means you can't target it, right? It just sits there. You can't do anything to it. And it states that you can't lose the game. Whenever you gain life, you draw that many cards. Whenever you lose life, for each life you lost, exile a permanent you control or a card from your hand or graveyard, when Lich's Mastery leaves the battlefield, you lose the game, right? Really complicated card, and usually sure. you're going to lose when you play it. Real easy game to play, very accessible, jump right in. <laughs> as simple it's as I It's very funny because there's a format called Jump In that's supposed to be an easy format to play. You just jump right in and play it. This card will not be found in that format, I don't think. <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think you should play. I think the ruling is go ahead and play a game of Magic and beat your brother and make him regret that he played Double Deal. I couldn't agree with you more. Absolutely, Derek, get in there, get Lich's Mastery, get a Platinum Angel, do what you need to do, and enjoy what John Darnielle calls your reward for lower life. <laughs> it's right. reward for lower life. That's my autobiography. But you must face David again. Go fulfill your destiny, Derek and David. Get revenge. So there's one other little case. This is not related to Spellcast, The Get Along, or Magic the Gathering. Um, but we were just on the road, the Van Freaks Road Show. You're on tour right now, John D., correct? You can go to, what is it, mountain-goats.com? 
That's right. Where you can find all the, all the places that John is playing solo and with the Mountain Goats. You can see John Darnielle in many forms. Choose the form. Yeah, the duo tour in January that starts in Charlotte. Uh, that'll be a lot of, with Craig Finn and Bully opening. It's a whole package. It's going to be really fun. Get get the over there. But while we were on our tour, one listener came to the tour, met us afterward, and mentioned this interesting conundrum. Jesse Thorne, you want to read us about it? Chris was his name from Nashua, New Hampshire. I am a middle school music teacher, and I teach my students, bird song is not music. Am I wrong? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> immediately, yes. There's absolutely no, no, oh my God. I mean, go talk to... um. Olivier Messiaen, uh, the, the French composer, uh, who's absolutely canonical at this point, though he was scandalous when he was new. What a coincidence. I was going to do that after the show. He and I were going to have lunch. I'm afraid he sings with the angels now. Oh, I'm ex excuse me. I, I have to really respect my own transition there. That was good. <laughs> so it's, uh, but but yeah, uh, Messiaen uh, wrote an entire uh, great piano piece uh, about birdsong. I mean, yeah, but let me ask you a question. Human or bird was this composer? Human or bird? Human. He was human. human. Being. <laughs> JD, him writing a piano concerto based on or inspired by birdsong, or even designed to reflect birdsong, is something that I can't imagine Chris would argue is not music. I think what Chris is suggesting, and this is informed by our brief conversation with him at our live show, is that if it doesn't involve human intentionality, it isn't music. It's just sound. No, I, I don't agree with that at all. But I, but I think, I mean, this is, this is a question that what, what you want to do when you're having this discussion with your students is that's an opportunity to read John Cage and to really engage with Cage thought, right? Uh, John Cage, because of his best known piece, 433, sort of ends there for a lot of people. But he's one of the truly great thinkers of the 20th century about music, because he asked a lot of questions about what music is, what it means, about what we exclude when we insist that it's only organized sound, and when we insist that it's about human intention. A lot of John Cage's stuff is uh, throwing the I Ching to get results, and it's music. It's still music. Here's the thing. Everything is is music. Sylvia Plath has a, a poem called Morning Song. Do you guys know this one? No. Uh, I had that card briefly, but I had to sell it. <laughs> so if, and I know this is maybe insufferable, I would like to read a poem on the Judge John Hod Hodgman podcast that I think answers this question definitively. It's about the birth of a child and it's Morning Song by Sylvia Plath. Love set you going like a fat gold watch. The midwife slapped your foot soles and your bald cry took its place among the elements. Our voices echo, magnifying your arrival, new statue. In a drafty museum, your nakedness shadows our safety. We stand round blankly as walls. I'm no more your mother than the cloud that distills a mirror to reflect its own slow effacement at the wind's hand. All night, your moth breath flickers among the flat pink roses. I wake to listen. A far sea moves in my ear. One cry, and I stumble from bed, cow-heavy and floral, in my Victorian nightgown. Your mouth opens clean as a cat's. The window square whitens and swallows its dull stars. And now you try your handful of notes. The clear vowels rise like balloons. So my ruling is that if Sylvia Plath says that that's a handful of notes, then that's music. 
and and that's and and I defer to the poets on all judgments. Well, I agree. I agree with you that I think that I, you know, and even Chris mentioned uh, a Cage when we were talking about it. But uh, go and read Plath. Go and read your Cage, Chris, and rethink it because we do have to decenter humans in our experience because that yeah. bird song is real song. I'm a little confused though, John, because I was reading along in my on my Sylvia Plath card. Yes. <laughs> and maybe you have a different edition or something. Yes. But what was the last line of your of your version? The clear vowels rise like balloons. Yeah, because I have that part, and then it says, take the dream trawler. <laughs> oh, I, I really, I would love for Sylvia Plath to just mill me ruth ruthlessly. That would, that would be my dream. <laughs> John Arneal, let's just go over it again. Mountain-goats.com. Or just Google mountain goats and you'll get there. Also, I'm on Blue Sky and I'm still occasionally going to uh, the bird app. You know, it, it's what it is. <laughs> yeah, we won't talk about it. But what on Blue Sky, what is your uh, what is your moniker? Uh, it's the same. It's uh, it's a mountain underscore goats, which I did on purpose. So it would be the same, uh, the same thing. Mountain underscore goats on the socials, mountain hyphen goats.com on the URL. The new album is Jenny from Thebes and it's absolutely brilliant, available wherever you get your music now and you should absolutely go check out john darneal on tour just just google john darneal tour or mountain goats tour or whatever it is i've been to several of your shows and there's nothing more life-affirming uh than being there and and john d catching your eye as he sings his songs which which i, I will now I, you know i got contact lenses today i've been performing without glasses it's been giving me some freedom but i when i last tried contacts i couldn't stand them and i thought but if it's only for a couple hours a night that will be like the best of both worlds. So wish me luck on that. Big if true. Devs, JD's eyeballs are OP. Nerf JD's <laughs> eyeballs. The docket is clear. That's it for another episode of Judge John Hodgman. Uh, Judge John Hodgman created by Jesse Thorne and John Hodgman. Marie Barty Salinas runs our social media. Our producer is Jennifer Marmer. We're on Instagram at Judge John Hodgman. Follow us there for evidence and other photos from the show. And check out the MaxFun subreddit, MaximumFun.reddit.com, to discuss this episode. That's at MaximumFun.reddit.com. And we always want and need your cases. Whether they're about Magic the Gathering, Spellcast the Get Along, or Mealborn. Mine are all about Mealborn, the French card game where you're a racing car. Go to MaximumFun.org slash JJHO to share them. And hey, listeners, if you have uh, ideas uh, for Spellcast the Get Along cards that you'd like to add to the uh, to the deck, why don't you uh, why don't you uh, post them on maximumfun.reddit.com or uh, send them to us on uh, uh, social media, and we'll repost them at Instagram at Judge John Hodgman or something. Uh, I'd love to see what your Spellcast the Get Along card ideas are. We'll talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.